0: Well, magandang umaga po, saan yung lahat. Papal mo sabihin sa Tagalog, Happy Mother's Day. Wala. Naligaya araw. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, nanay. That's how I would say it. Happy Mother's Day po. Okay lang. That's my taglish greeting. Well, you know, part of, oh, welcome back, Brother Renee. Good to see you. You know, one of the dearest mothers in our congregation is Sister Felly. Will you please give our love to her and our continued prayers? Uh, Part of the offering of this church to mothers and women is the gathering that will be happening together here a week from yesterday. So this coming Saturday, I want to remind you, hopefully, uh, if you're a woman in the congregation, you have registered to attend the Together Gathering, which will be this coming Saturday, uh, May 18th. Um, And the program starts at 9.30 a.m., so arrive before that. Uh, in order to get situated there will be some light refreshments provided and once again our guest speaker will be maureen broderson really really wonderful woman with an incredible testimony so you are invited and you will be pleased to hear more about the invitation that's going to be unfolding for you in that gathering so uh this coming saturday together don't miss it now at the end of this service i'm going to remind you of something but i'm going to ask the brothers if Kapatid, you would help if you are available after second service, so not following this service but following the last service this morning if the dudes, if the guys would come in and help us rearrange the room a little bit, so if you are able to stick around for that, wonderful, if you're not we understand but whoever can, we appreciate your help and we're going to situate the room and uh, Pastora Vanita is going to help us do that to prepare for Saturday's event we'll leave a couple dozen on this side in front for our Wednesday prayer gathering uh, so please, just make a note of ...of doing that if you can, but we want to give mothers the day off. We want mothers to enjoy and relax. Happy Mother's Day, truly indeed. In fact, I want to say thanks to the Lord for Brenda Hall, my mother, who gave me life. I want to say thanks to the Lord for Remy Esporas, Sister Remedios, who will be with us in the next service, who gave life to my wife. I want to say thank you to Hazel for giving life to our children and being the mother in our household. And I want to say thanks and honor to all of you mothers. And we're going to have a special moment to honor and pray for mothers just a little bit later in the service today. It's always worth mentioning that this is also a day when people remember mothers that have gone home to be with the Lord. Mothers that are no longer in your life. It can make the day a hard one, a bittersweet one. Sometimes there are mothers who are distant from their children. Perhaps the saddest thing is a mother who's had to see their own child go into death before them. Or a woman who was never able to be a mother, even though she desperately wanted to be. And any number of other ways that can make the day difficult. If you had a mother from whom you are distant or who was not loving to you. Whatever the reality of your present situation, obviously the most joyous one is when we have mothers that we love and mothers that are with us, mothers who loved us and mothers that we can celebrate. But whatever your background, whatever your reality, I want to remind you of this. You're here on planet Earth because of a mother. And whoever she was and wherever she is now, and even if you ever knew her or not, you can give thanks to God for your life having come through her. God has a mother's heart. We think of God as Father Jesus calls him Father and God is God the Father. But God knows what mother love is too because all mothers and fathers come from God. And God knows how a mother's heart loves and God knows how a mother's heart breaks. And God also knows how to mother those who need mother love today. So let's give thanks to God today for mothers and for His mothering love and His parenting heart. Father, we love You and thank You that You love us. We thank You for life. And no matter what our circumstance, history, or background, we say, Lord, God bless the woman who gave life to us. Your Word says that it goes well with us when we honor our mothers and fathers. And so we do that today, Lord. But we also honor above all You, Because you are the source of life to begin with. And as we come to your word, may we find your life. And may we, through your life, be able, Lord, to live fully and righteously our life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Living your life for God. That's what it's all about. Isn't that right? Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to live my life for God. You know what Paul said? Paul said, it's not actually me living anymore. Paul said, I've died to myself. See, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for me. And Paul said, when I went down into the waters of baptism, I died for myself. I died to myself. So that when I came up out of those waters of baptism, I was alive with his life. It's Christ. Who lives in me. The hope of glory. You know what that glory is? Resurrection. Eternal life. Physical resurrection. And the glorified life. The life of God fruitful in us right now. Isn't that what the fruit of the spirit that we've spent so many months talking about? That's what it's all about. It's about Christ in us. The glory of Christ bearing fruit through us by the spirit of Christ. It's not me living in me, but the Spirit of God living in me. Now, the reality is, the Spirit within us is willing, but we are still living in a body of flesh. But may I remind you that Jesus brought us into His body. So it's His life inside of us, and us inside of His body. Isn't that an interesting arrangement? Don't you see that though you still walk around in these dying bodies... You and I by the Spirit live in this living body. This body of Christ cannot die. This body will, or at least it will be changed. Because Paul said, when Jesus comes in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. We may not all go to sleep in death, but we will all be changed. But one way or another, this physical presence that we are in at this moment is going to be transformed by the Lord. What that transformation looks like, what it produces, will be the result of a transformation that has already taken place, either that we are transformed into the likeness of Christ or that we are transformed totally and completely into creatures of the flesh. In other words, we will either be fruitful in the spirit of Christ or we will rot in the ways of the flesh the fruit of the spirit is a ninefold expression of paul in the letter to the galatians that shows us what it looks like when it's not us living but christ within us i want to remind you what the point of the fruit of the spirit being listed for us is as we've mentioned throughout this series When Paul describes the ninefold fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he uses the singular term for fruit in the Greek. In other words, each of these nine descriptors are all part of a single fruit. That is, the life of the Spirit. In other words, God. It's all manifestations of God's character, of God's nature, of God's love. The fruit of the Spirit are the various ways that God's love transforms us but did Paul list these so that you would and I would go out and try and do them you can't do fruit fruit is not a verb it's a noun or maybe it's even better for us to think of it as an adjective the fruit describes the nature of the tree what kind of tree is it it's an orange tree well it's not colored orange but the fruit is the whole tree is known by its fruit what kind of tree is that it's an apple tree what kind of vine is that it's a grape vine the fruit is the descriptor of what the thing is but there's nowhere where the grape vine is lined up trying to submit its resume to get the job of bearing grapes it's not something that it has to try to do it's something that it is The whole point of this letter to the Galatians was to liberate them from the lie that they had to fulfill laws that they were not able to fulfill. That doesn't mean the laws are bad. It means the people are. The law is good, but the people fail the law. And if they try to fulfill the law, if they try to produce the fruit on their own, not only do they fail to produce the fruit, but whatever they do produce is only being produced by what? By their flesh. So that what they are producing are works of the flesh. Ergon, fruit of the flesh, works of the flesh. The whole point of Paul's letter is not go out and bear fruit by trying to bear more fruit. No, the point of his letter is abide in Christ And by the Spirit, the fruit will be born out of you. If you labor to fulfill the law, what you will end up doing is fulfilling works of the flesh. And you will thereby break the law and fail to be fruitful in the things of the Lord. Are you tracking with me? We've got to think this way. Even as I've done my study on the fruit of the Spirit... I've gone from commentary to commentary to commentary. And you know what's one of the most amazing things you see over and over? And I've even done it in my teaching, in this sermon series. I've done it too. The mentality is, how do I produce the fruit? And there will be practical steps. For instance, today we are going to talk about my favorite fruit, because I have the least of it. I think of all the fruit listed in the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is my smallest crop. It's the least fruit that I seem to be able to produce. In other words, I struggle with self-control. I find it hard to control my impulses. It's easy for me to speak out of emotion or anger, to let my temper get the best of me. It's easy for me to indulge myself mentally. It's easy for me to give myself the uh, excuse that I need To cover whatever kind of wrong or bad behavior I'm particularly inclined to. I'm sure no one else in the room can fully relate to this. So that's why I'm up here telling you about me. Because I struggle with self-control. But it's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite fruit. You know why? Why? (laughs) Why? I'll tell you in a minute. Don't go to sleep. That's going to keep you awake. I promise I'll come back to it. The point of the list of the fruit of the Spirit is to show us what to look for in us, but not to tell us how to produce it. You can't produce it of yourself. Remember John chapter 15, Jesus says, you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, So if it's you living in you and not Christ living in you, then there's no hope of glory. The glory of a tree is its fruit. There's no chance to bear fruit if it's you that's doing the work. So what then shall we say? Shall we not do anything? Isn't that exactly what Paul has to argue against in Galatians and elsewhere? He has to say to them over and over again, Look, I'm not telling you not to do anything. I'm telling you that you cannot labor to produce the fruit. But what you can do is rest in the Lord. Stand on the Lord. Abide in the Lord. So the things that we look to do are not, Oh, I need to have more self-control. But rather, I need to trust the Lord. I need to know the Lord. I need to listen for the Lord. I need to spend time with the Lord, which means being in His body. I need to spend time with other believers. I need to worship the Lord. I need to wait upon the Lord. I need to know the Word. The seed has to be in me if the fruit will come from me. Why then talk about the fruit? So that you and I will know when the fruit is coming, we will know where it's coming from. And it will be evidence to us and to others. But if the fruit is lacking, then we will also know. So, why is self-control one of my favorite fruit? Because it shows me where Christ is not living in me. It shows me where I'm relying upon myself. It shows me an unfruitful part of me. So, is that just so that I just feel terrible? Oh, woe is me. No. No. There is no condemnation in Christ. Don't be afraid to look and admit at where you are not bearing fruit. That's where you want the vine dresser to come and prune and produce more fruit. So don't hide where you're unfruitful because then you just remain unfruitful. And don't put up a pretense, oh, I'll make myself fruitful with a bunch of false flourishment. That's just artificial flowers. You think God can't tell the difference between a silk flower and a real one? I'll tell you one difference. A silk flower bears no fruit. And a real one is bound to. It's the sign that fruit is coming, right? So we look for the signs, and where the signs are lacking, we ask the Lord for help. And where the signs are present, we give the Lord the praise, right? see how easy it is actually it's not hard it need not be hard and there's nothing that you and i need to be afraid of if it's christ living in us but when the lord comes with that mighty hand and those sharp pruning shears it is scary and we do feel vulnerable that's why we need self-control i remember as a little kid whenever for for instance Speaking of mothers, it used to be my mother who would put eye drops in my eye if I ever needed eye drops for anything. And I don't know, as a little child, now I wear contact lenses, so I put my fingers in my eyes all the time. I guess it doesn't bother me anymore. But it used to be anything coming close to my eye, I would squirm and wiggle. And of course, what does that do? It makes it much more likely that you're going to get hurt and much less likely that you're going to get help, right? Now, somebody can come and sternly say, stop it, you know, and pin you down. I don't know, use big wire retractors to get into your eye. But a good mother wouldn't do it that way, right? A loving mother knows how to soothe and say, trust me, this is going to help, it's going to be okay. And that's the heart of the Lord too, saying, trust me, trust me. So when we are talking about self-control, I want to say we are talking about trust in God. When we think of self-control, we think of self-control i will control myself but how are you controlling yourself with what with your strength with your ability to what follow a rule welcome to legalism 101 that is not a fruit of the spirit that is a work of the flesh So much of what is written about the fruit of the spirit of self-control actually runs completely antithetical to Paul's whole purpose in Galatians, which was to say, don't live under the law, live over it. Fulfill it freely. In fact, when he gets to the end of the ninefold fruit that he lists, and I once again say, these are not all the fruit of the spirit, but there's a purpose why Paul lists nine. By the way, nine is three sets of three. Over and over again in the scriptures, something that has threes associated with it refers to something that is divinely complete or very thorough or extensive. And often it has to do also with God bringing the totality of himself to the weakness of an individual. Three times on the roof. Paul saw, excuse me, Peter saw the sheet lowered down in front of him with all kinds of animals that were not legal for him to eat according to the Jewish law but three times the Lord said take and eat Peter and the Lord said what I have called clean do not call unclean. Do you hear the power of that statement? We recognize that God was preparing the church to receive Gentile believers but let me also say that statement is for you. Self-control often can be this. That's not allowed and I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to do it and I'm not going to do it. God forbid that I should do that. But God is saying to you, I've already cleansed you. Don't call yourself unclean if I have made you clean. He said to the apostles, you're already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. And those words are here. So you yourself have been purified by God. Therefore, if it's him living in you and he's the one that's producing an impulse, don't rebuke him. But if you are the one that is producing the impulse, you won't stop it by rebuking yourself. That's not enough. You've got to kill yourself. I don't mean suicide. God forbid. Let me repeat. What I mean is die to yourself. You've got to crucify your flesh. Take every thought captive to the Lord, right? That's a way of self-control. If I'm reaching out for something that I'm not supposed to take, because it's not going to fulfill God's will for me, the solution to that is to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, this thought is reigning in my mind, but you rule and reign over me. The lie is that i want that it's the lie that goes all the way back to the garden i want that fruit and i'll grab it people who try and produce the fruit of the spirit in themselves christians who are going to be christians by trying harder are really just being like adam and eve trying to grab the fruit themselves instead of listening to the truth which is god saying my strength is made perfect in your weakness So don't try and be stronger in yourself, but rather lean your weakness on me. Lean into me. Abide in me and my strength will be perfected in you, which means my strength will come and bear the fruit through you. Take every thought captive to Christ so that Christ can be your all in all. This is a truth that tempers us. The word temper means to moderate. When you temper metal, when you temper steel, for instance, you make it both. Here's how fascinating it is this: both stronger and more flexible. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, the Lord wants to make me stronger and more flexible. The Lord wants to make stronger and flexible. Legalists can be very strong, rigid martinets. But they are inflexible. The Pharisees were those kinds of people. Very strong in what they knew. But absolutely inflexible in their blindness. Libertines are the other way. Everything's okay. They'll bend over backwards. But they'll never stand up for anything. Neither of these reflect the Lord. Rather, what the Lord wants you to do is stand on the truth. And be gracious in faith. Tempering steel makes it both stronger and more flexible. And the tempering has to do with mixtures and stretching. In fact, in the Latin language, which is where we get the word temper from, and another word, temperance, which we're going to talk about more in just a moment, but is the classical, uh, one classical way of translating self-control, has to do with stretching. In fact, do you know that the English word temple... The place of worship has this same origin, the idea either of temp, which is stretching, or ten, which is cutting. The idea of an area which is cut apart and ropes stretched around it for the consecration of land where a temple will be built. You know what verse was on my calendar this morning when I came into my office? You know how I keep telling you, the Lord's speaking to me through this scripture calendar. Go out and get a scripture calendar. It's amazing how the Lord just speaks to you. It was the Lord saying, I do not dwell in temples built by human hands. Yes. So now think of this. If the temple is a description of a place tempered for God, right? What God is saying is, I'm not going to dwell in the place you can make. I'm going to make you the place that I make. You'll be a living temple. Amen. You'll be living stones. You'll be living pillars in the house of God. So it's all about Him and not us relying upon Him. But that's how we become the real us. The real you is to be found in giving yourself over totally to the Lord. And the Lord's truth will stretch you. And the Lord's truth will remove the impurities from you and will add those elements to you of His nature and character, which make you really what you were meant to be. His person, fruitful in Him. Self-control is being tempered by the truth, stretched and strengthened by the truth of who God is. It is the final of the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Remember I said that, those sets of threes, when you have three sets of threes, that's a way in the Hebraic mindset, in the ancient Near Eastern mindset, of intensifying. It's three to the third, right? So it's intensifying that Trinitarian mentality, which is to say, here is a full description of how God wants to manifest Himself through you. It's not that these are the only fruit... But this is a very thorough expression of God's nature and character at work through you. And self-control is the last one. I think that what Paul is driving to, what the Holy Spirit is driving to, in putting that one as a kind of a capstone, is saying if you really want to be who you were made to be, you will have to be in Him. Apart from Him, you can't even be who you were made to be. Self-control is about self-control. Um, expressing the real self the wild self that does whatever you want and runs contrary to the will of God that's the old person that's the dead you the new you the new creation in Christ is the one that is controlled by God well now you say well wait a minute If, if, if self control is the way it is described how can that be controlled by God well let's take a look at the original language. And remember, this kind of self control, like all the other fruit, is a fruition of the fruit of the Spirit, a fruition of love. Ekratea is the Greek term, it's a compound noun, egg, in, or by, and kratea is strength or restraint holding, stopping yourself, holding yourself back, that kind of a restraint, the strength to wait, the strength to consider, the strength To review, right? Not just acting by impulse, not acting out of an animalistic kind of nature, not acting in a way that is uh, unconsidered or inconsiderate, but having the wherewithal to hold back or hold on or control. In this, it has uh, colloquial meaning in ancient Greek, balance, moderation, or as I say, temperance. Now, the term temperance in English became closely associated with one kind of temperance, restraining from drinking alcohol. So, you maybe have heard of the temperance movement, and that was a movement here in the United States and actually had global expressions as well that were very much about not. Uh, not indulging in alcohol at all well it comes from the idea that someone could control their appetite or control their thirst or control their um, interest in something such that they would be able to withhold from something even if they liked it even if it seemed good to them in order to fulfill some higher call or some higher point of character so self-control is about moderation It's about being balanced, tempered by the truth. Why do I utilize the terminology of the truth here? For one thing, that's the whole purpose of Jesus in our lives. When Jesus stood before Pilate at his trial in John chapter 18, he says, I was born for this. I was born to come and testify to the truth. And everyone is of the truth hears my voice let me recast that phrase for you in the terminology of the fruit of the spirit everyone who is of the truth is everyone who is in me that's what jesus is saying if you're of the truth you're of jesus he is the truth and therefore they hear my voice that's his word the word is the seed in other words what he's saying is if you're in me you'll be fruitful through me Pilate, who is, it would seem, not in him, says, what is truth? So here is an example of the way of the world, the way of the flesh, versus the way of the Lord. The world is blind to the truth. Yes. Pilate is saying, oh, what is truth? And I think he's saying it in much of the way it would be said today, which is kind of like, well, truth is relative. In fact, one of the popular phrases today is, I think, a really... If you'll forgive me for saying so, rather ludicrous phrase that flies in the face of any kind of rational objectivity when people talk about my truth. Well, this is my truth. As, what does that mean? It means it's mine to control. You can't tell me it's not true. It's my truth. It belongs to me. Recognize that as a way of the flesh. If you use that phrase, strike it from your vocabulary. It's either the truth or not. But there's no my truth, your truth. There is only the truth. If it's my truth, let me tell you, my God is the truth. If your truth is not my God, then you've got a different God running your life. My truth is an idol you bow down to, a temple you've raised up. And God will tear it down if it is not of him. Pilate saying, well, what is truth? Everyone's got their own truth. But Jesus made it clear in John 14, I am the truth, and I'm the way, and I'm the life. And life is where fruit comes from and what fruit reflects. So Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me. There's no other truth that is the way except Jesus. Self-control, then, is letting His truth rule in your life. Here's the really amazing thing about self-control. It's not you taking control of yourself. It's you giving yourself to God. If you lack control of yourself, as I do, it reflects to us the ways in which God is not in control of us. It reflects the ways in which God's truth is not what is guiding us. It reflects where we are not trusting God. So what do I do? Not try and control myself more, but give myself to God. Trust God more. What is he asking me to do that I'm afraid to do? Step out and do it. What is he saying? If I don't know, I'm like Pilate standing there going, what is truth? But God is saying, here it is. I am truth. So read it. Know it. Consider it. Pray upon it. Study it. Talk about it. Share with each other about it. Find out what God is asking you to do and then do it. God is in control. It's not me living. It's not I who live, but Christ in me. Submission. The way to abide in Christ if we are lacking the fruit of self-control is to submit more to Christ. He will do this in order to produce more self-control in us. He will provide stretching through testing. Testing brings stretching. Stretching tempers so that we will be stronger and more flexible. And finally, that way, we will reveal godly truth to the world. As we give control of ourselves over to God, God gives his nature over to us. Say that. As I give control of myself to God, God gives his nature to me. That's the fruitfulness of the Lord, you see. That is God sowing himself into you so that you can show him to the world. John said in John chapter 1, no one had seen God except that Jesus showed him. Well, you're the body of Christ today. Are you showing God to the world? We say, oh, the world doesn't see God. Well, maybe it's because you and I aren't showing him. How will they see him unless we show him? You say, that's Jesus' job. He has delegated it to us. You will be my witnesses. Witnesses to the Father. You will be my body to reveal the Father in the world. You'll have my spirit. You'll bear my fruit. Showing God comes from God sowing himself into us. So let me take you quickly, and it will be quickly, through some other passages in the scripture that reiterate and underline these notions as we come to the conclusion not only of this sermon, but of this series. Self-control comes from God-control. There's another place where the very same ekrotea word shows up in the Greek New Testament. And it's in Acts chapter 24. Here, Paul has been imprisoned. Notice how Paul described himself over and over. A prisoner for Christ. A slave of Christ. Does that sound like someone who's got self-control? No, it's someone who's under God's control. Paulus Dulus Jesu Christo. Kletos apostolos Aphoros Menosis evangelion Theo. That's the Greek version of Romans 1:1, pronounced very, very poorly, I assure you. But what it says is, I, Paul, am a slave to Jesus, and I was called as one to be sent. That's what an apostle is. I was cut out and cut apart for the gospel, just like a temple ground, cut apart, set apart for this purpose to belong to him, to be on mission for him. So Paul's mission means he can fulfill it in a prison just as well as he can in freedom. Because Paul's freedom is that he doesn't belong to himself. Paul's freedom is that he belongs to God. Amen. Amen. So now there is a Roman official who's over Paul. Paul's waiting to go to Rome because he's appealed to the emperor. But meanwhile, Felix has arrived on the scene and is hoping that Paul will bribe him. He wants Paul, that shows up in verse 26. It's not on the screen, but it is in the Word. He's hoping that Paul is going to say, you know what, Felix, I've got friends with money, which Paul did, and for the right price, you could let me out of here. What? Name your price, right? <laughs> and if Paul wanted to get what he thought was right, I need to get free, maybe he would have done that. But what Paul knew was God is in charge. God had him in prison. So instead, Paul used it as an opportunity to witness To his jailer, something that Paul had done with great fruitfulness before, by the way, in the city of Philippi. So he's talking to Felix, and what does he talk about with Felix? Verse 25, he discusses righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Friends, that's Galatians right there. How do we really fulfill God's righteousness? Is it through legalism? No, it's through belonging to God. Self-control is being given over to God so that we will not fall victim to the judgment. But Felix was scared. Felix didn't like to hear about self-control. And you know what? It's not a popular topic even today. Not even in the church. Certainly not in the world. You don't see very much self-control in the world. When you do, it's always that kind of rigid, legalistic self-control. Or there's the people who say, that's all nonsense. And there are the people who just say, I don't want to hear about that. That's scary. So he sends Paul away. He sends away the truth, but the truth was there. May you and I never be like Felix. May we never use this as an excuse to ignore the truth of God. If we do, we will only ever belong to ourselves. And we will never really bear God's fruit. If we belong to God, we will have to submit to the stretching of God. Paul three times pleaded with God. Three times. Because he had a messenger of Satan, he said. We don't know what it was, but something physical, a thorn in the flesh. Maybe it was his vision. Maybe it was his singleness and lust. Maybe it was his guilt over his past uh, um, aggression against Christians. Maybe it was something totally, entirely different. It doesn't matter because it's true for each of us that we struggle with things that God allows. You know what I'm saying? God allows things in our lives and we may plead three times as thoroughly as we can. But what God says is, don't worry about that thing. Trust in me. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength comes through your weakness. We want to be strong for God. He's not looking for that. He wants us to be dependent. He wants us to lean on him. He wants us to trust in him. Paul says, all right then, I will boast about how weak I am. I will brag about how weak I am so that your power can control me and sow your reality into me and show your character to the world through me. In Romans, he says the same thing. We exult in our tribulations because tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance proves our character. It tempers it, makes it stronger, makes it more supple. And proven character gives us the hope, the hope of glory, of resurrection fruitfulness. That doesn't disappoint because the love of God, which is the fruit of the Spirit, has been poured out in us within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. While we were still helpless, Christ died for us. Look, doesn't that say it all? We were helpless and He came and did it for us. We are still helpless without Him. But we are not hopeless in Him. We have every hope and every help to bear all the fruit. So consider it a joy when you are being tested in this way because it will produce faithful endurance so that you can be perfected, made whole, Not lacking anything, which is exactly what Peter says in his second letter to the church. That you will be able to demonstrate godly truth as the life of God grows in you. The divine power of God, which is the Holy Spirit, has been granted to us to produce in us everything that we need to be alive in Him and to have His character, to be godly. Through the true knowledge, say true knowledge, true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. That's the fruit. That you would have love, that you would know joy, that you would have peace and patience, that you would demonstrate kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control because there's no law against it. In other words, it fulfills the law. You become a law unto yourself. The law of God is being born witness to in you. There's no way you have those attributes, and in those attributes, you deny God. Instead, you reveal Him. So now, with all diligence, apply yourself to this. Apply yourself to looking for these attributes in yourself, including self-control, perseverance, and godliness. Look for it. And if you are lacking in these things, ask God for his help, and he will produce it in you. And if you are seeing these things, don't be proud about it. Be humble, recognizing it's not you, but Christ in you who is the hope of glory. In that way, you will be neither useless like a dead branch without fruit nor unfruitful like a branch cut off by the vine. But you will have the true knowledge of Jesus Christ bearing fruit through you. You will be fruitful for the Lord. Lord, we can do nothing by ourselves and we know it. We are hopeless and helpless without you. In You, Lord, we trust. We lean on You. And right now, Lord, we acknowledge the places where the works of the flesh are at work in our lives. And we ask that You would cut those things off. We say, Lord, come and prune that away from us. We can't do it ourselves. But what we can do is invite Your hand. We can submit to Your will. So we don't even try, Lord... To, to remove those things for, from ourselves but what we do try lord is to be honest with you about the truth yes. and we say lord i acknowledge this is where i'm giving in to lust or addiction or fear or greed or anger or selfishness here is where i'm giving in to my own will no matter how good it may seem maybe even my own will for you the ways in which i've become legalistic about how i read the bible or attend church the ways i've gotten proud about going to church as though that impresses you as though i've earned something through it lord i repent of that ridiculousness i repent of the lie that any time I've ever given food or money or clothing to someone in your name, that I've done something on my own. And I reject, Lord, that pride. I reject, Lord, the lie that somehow I can impress you with my biblical knowledge or my patience. Because these things, if they are of you, are not really mine. They're yours. Myself is under your control, Lord, Lord we pray that you would not let us be legalists and that you would not let us be libertines. That we would not simply say, well, no one can fulfill that. We're all only human. Go and do whatever you will. God is gracious and his mercy and grace allows. No, Lord, let us speak the truth in love, the truth that you will not abide unrighteousness and you will judge it. And therefore, what your grace calls us to is to repent, and to rely entirely upon you and to believe that you will produce your righteousness through us. And we, Lord, we will give you all the credit and all the glory. Our works are as filthy, bloody rags, but your works are gleaming with white, bright light. So bear your fruit through us, Lord, and show the world who you are through us. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for mercy. Friend, I want to say right now, as we are in this moment of prayer, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, wherever there is guilt in you, wherever you are feeling that you have fallen short, wherever you think, I can't be good enough for God, and I'm tired of trying, the word of Jesus Christ to you is, I'm not looking for you to be good enough. I'm working to make you perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You can't do it. But all things are possible for God. Therefore, give yourself to me. And I will show you who you are. Put me in control of your life. And I will give you not only the gift of myself, says Jesus Christ, but the gift of yourself. You will see who you really are, who you are in me. But you cannot do it holding on to your own ways. You have to let go and let God take hold of you doesn't matter whether you've been walking with him for decades or not. This message is for you today. He is saying, stop trying to be good and start leaning into God. Put your effort into knowing me. Put your effort into trusting me. Put your effort into acknowledging the truth, looking at yourself critically and honestly in my light, but let my love cover you. So that you need not be afraid and run away from the truth. But instead, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when you've been made free in me, you will be free indeed. It will be freedom that overflows out of you and reaches to other people. It will bear fruit and bring life, liberate and conquer. This is what I will do in all Who trusts in me. Now if that's you. You just tell him right now. I belong to you. You are Lord of my life. I give control of myself to you. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Amen.